live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and yours. How are you? Wherever you may be, however you may be doing it, we glad you found us. We really are. It's Wednesday, hump day, May 18th. The year 2022. The Pels get the eighth pick in the upcoming NBA draft. Yeah. Man, they didn't have the that lucky horseshoe this time, but it's still a deep enough draft where the Pels will get a very good player and uh, that will help the team. So that's a good thing. Uh, Jimmy Butler was amazing last night as the Miami Heat won game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, taking care of uh, the Boston Celtics. Uh, Jimmy Buckets was magnificent Um, with uh, 41 points on the night. Um, Very efficient, very, um, man, just just sensational. Um, And they went at 118 to 107. Butler, 12 of 19 from the field. 17 of 18 from the free throw line, 41 points, nine rebounds, five assists, four steals. Uh, They turned the Celtics over 16 times, and that was all she wrote. It's game one of the Western Conference Finals tonight as Luka and the Mavs are in San Francisco to take on Steph and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Game one tonight. You heard in the two-minute drill, what a crazy, crazy baseball game it was for LSU as they beat Northwestern State 19-7 in a, quote, mercy rule game called after seven innings. Um, The highlights of the game included the return of two LSU Tigers and back-to-back home runs in the sixth. The grand slam by Hayden Travinsky, a solo shot by Braden Jobert. Those two runs made it 19-6 and brought the mercy rule into play. LSU's leading hitter, Jacob Berry, returned from injury. Pink shit in the third inning. He drew a base on balls and didn't remain in the game after that frame. Also, back, Alex Malazzo, who returned from injury in the sixth inning and singled to center field. After that, he remained in the game defensively for the seventh and final inning, and he seemed to be in pretty good shape. Uh, They scored, LSU had three home runs. They scored in every inning of the game, including five runs in the second, seven in the sixth. But Northwestern State uh, gifted LSU. They issued nine walks, and I've never heard of this before. LSU got hit by 10 pitches, 10 hit batsmen. Uh, That tied the NCAA record for a single game. (laughs) Um, And even more remarkable, when you consider LSU only batted in six innings, six innings, they hit 10 batters. Wow. Wow. Crazy. 
crazy. So uh, LSU gets the win. Um, and, uh, you know, it, they're supposed to win that game, and they did it in a convincing fashion. So I'm going to give them their props. Now they are uh, in, uh, in Nashville um, taking on Vanderbilt, final SEC of the season. And man, it's a big one in Nashville. A sweep by LSU would likely mean you'd have more baseball at the box with LSU hosting an LSU uh, an NCAA regional. On the flip side, a sweep by, by Vandy would mean LSU would have to win a few in Hoover at the SEC tournament just to make it into the NCAA field of 64. So the series is Thursday through Saturday, beginning tomorrow, Thursday at 7 p.m. our time, Friday, 6 p.m., and the series finale will be Saturday at 1 p.m. And, of course, you can listen to all of the action uh, right here on 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. So there you go. Um, I, I really respect um, uh, D1 Baseball and Kendall Rogers. And uh, he's got LSU as we stand right now as a number two seed in the Lubbock Regional with Texas Tech as the number one seed. He's also got um, our good friends at McNeese as a number four seed in the College Station Regional. And unfortunately, as we stand right now, he's got the Raging Cajuns as um, the number 68 team. They are part of the first four out as we speak. And this is just a... You know, this is just a hypothetical. This is a prediction as we speak, but still some games to be played. So we'll uh, we'll wait and see how that all all unfolds. So um, stay tuned. But it's a big, big series for LSU. We told you yesterday about baby Shaq Phillips, the seven foot, 250 pound four star who came to is committed to LSU over Kansas State, Miami, Georgetown, and others. He's the 50th best player nationally, the number 10 center in the country. He comes to LSU from Dream City Christian School in Glendale, Arizona, which is a suburb of uh, Phoenix. So with that addition, Matt McMahon has now used his full allotment of scholarship for 2022, and he took a roster that was completely wiped out, completely just a month and a half ago into one that, Hey, we'll see how much they can compete, but he's got a seven footer, a six, 10, two, six, tens. Um, he's got two, six, eights, a six, seven, another six, 10. He's got size. Uh, so, Hey, congratulations, Matt McMahon. Um, we, uh, now that he's got all this under control, uh, we're going to get him on our show uh, next week. So stay tuned uh, for all of that. Um, but a job, job, well done. So our guest list today, we've got you covered in just about everything. Uh, how did the Saints rookie minicamp go? And um, why is uh, you know Jarvis Landry is using social media to try and uh, recruit his buddy, uh, 
who played with him at LSU also played with him at Cleveland, Odell Beckham Jr. Is that even is that even remotely a thought? Well, we'll talk to John Hendricks all about the Saints, their mini camp, and uh, uh, and everything involved with them. Uh, Ali Cassell will join us. The Pels have the number eight pick in the upcoming NBA draft. The NBA Combine is uh, getting underway tomorrow. Darius Days selected to participate in that uh, Combine. So good news for him. They don't invite you to the Combine unless they think you can get drafted. So, so that's a good sign. We'll talk to Ali Cassell about that. We'll talk about game one of the Eastern Conference Finals that went to Miami. We'll preview game one of the Western Conference Finals. Is it going to be Steph and the Warriors or Luca and the Mavs? So we'll talk with Ali about that. John Peterson, former PGA player, uh, will share his insights on Southern Hills in Tulsa and the PGA Championship, which begins tomorrow. And John Peterson will share his thoughts on that. The Preakness is Saturday. No uh, Rick Strike, but... um, Others involved in the uh, scenario. And so we will uh, get an update as Epicenter is the six to five favorite for the Preakness with our handicapper, Michael Bakeshock. And then as per the norm, Hump Day with Huguenin, we'll talk all about stuff in the world of college athletics, whether it be football or baseball or basketball. Um, Nobody knows more than my buddy, Michael Huguenin. Today, we're brought to you by Cajun Chef. Cajun Chef, the best hot sauce on the planet, right there in St. Martinville for a long, long time. The Yard family putting out the same great products uh, and then adding more and more products to their great line to make sure that you get that taste of that Cajun flavor and you get it every time. Do like I do. Bring a small bottle of that Cajun Chef hot sauce with you wherever you go, because everything tastes better with Cajun Chef hot sauce on it. So we've got football, we've got basketball, we've got golf, we've got thoroughbred horse racing, and much, much more. I think we got you covered from coast to coast. So this is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Come on back, everybody. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. Let's get you caught up to speed. There's a, there's another LSU Tiger at the Saints facility. Could they get another one? And no, I'm not talking Odell Beckham Jr. Let's bring in John Hendricks, our good friend, the Saints lead writer and reporter for at St. News for Fan Nation at SI.com. He's the video host at Boot Crew Media, and he does a whole bunch of stuff, and he does it so well. John, good afternoon, man. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? I'm doing terrific. Um, so, Taran Matthew, Jarvis Landry, and I've, I've been preaching from the mountaintops to get this guy. Apparently, free agent running back Daryl Williams is in NOLA. I think he solidifies that running back position big time. What do you think? 
Yeah, look, I think it's an a interesting move there. Uh, you know, again, I've, I've asked. I haven't gotten any confirmation that he actually is visiting the Saints, but one of his agents oh. is around here. I can tell you that. So there could be something that's in the works, and I'd expect to hear something about that sooner rather than later, if you will. And so, look, again, this backfield, even with Kamara and Ingram, there's still a lot of opportunity there. Look, I really like the undrafted guy, Abram Smith, out of Baylor. I think he has an interesting uh, track ahead. And, look, they cut Josh Adams uh, not that long ago, and then they have Tony Jones Jr. and Dwayne Washington. So uh, if you can get yourself – it's not just being a runner, but if you can get yourself on that special teams level, it's going to yeah. bode well for you at the Saints. And so there's plenty of opportunity there. Uh, Saints had rookie minicamp uh, the other day. You got you, you were out there. You got to see Chris Olave and Demarco Jackson and Jordan Jackson. What what did you see? What did you think? Yeah, I was just saying from an action perspective, we didn't really get to see a lot of anything. But you know, first impressions are always everything, and we also got to go into the locker room afterwards. So that was always nice. First time yeah. since. They lost to Minnesota in the wild card, so that just kind of puts a little bit in perspective for you. But, look, um, just going in there and just being able to talk to some of these players, the rookies, and, you know, look, the the impressions that you get is, hey, a Chris Olave looks like he's he's a real deal, looks smooth, everything that we thought he was going to be, I think that's the big thing. Trevor Penning is, is massive, right? And, I mean, you know, I'm not that tall. I'm 5'11", if you will, and – Man, this guy is just a monstrous presence, and so I was really excited to see him and uh, talking to Alante Taylor. Look, I think it's a guy that in time, you know, some people didn't really like to pick and where he was taken, but, man, he's a smart young man, uh, really eager, embraces competition. Same thing with DeMarco Jackson. And then Jordan Jackson, look, I think he's got an upward battle on his hands, but if he can kind of learn some of the pass rush moves on here and kind of refine his game, he has a good chance. But, man, I really like the undrafted class and the drafted class, and uh, they're going to need a lot of those guys to, to step up if they're going to try to get to their ultimate goal this year. John Hendricks, kind enough to join us. You know, we don't, we don't talk much about it, but uh, we talk about Jameis Winston, but we never ask for an update on his injury. What, what is the latest with uh, Jameis? Yeah, look, I mean, if you follow along some of his workout videos, you know, he's in a throw motion, starting to do a little bit of mobility right now. And so, um, you know, I don't think they're going to be in a huge hurry to roll him out and just kind of release the training wheels on him. But, you know, again, obviously they're going to be smart about that. But, I, again, he told NFL Network the other day that, hey, it was a game and he needs to play and he's ready to go. So that's a good sign. So, look, I would expect him just to kind of be like, okay, look, we've seen the workout videos. That looks good making sure that he's absolutely 100% ready to go before they release, you know, him to to kind of cook this year, which is actually what's going to happen. I mean, this has really been his team. And, you know, I know people got caught up in the Drew Brees stuff, but um, and even drafting a, a quarterback, I just didn't think it made sense to me personally. And, um, you know, this is Jameis's team. Andy Dalton's their backup. He's here to support Jameis. Whether you like it or not, that's on you, but he's got the weapons around him now. Yeah, um, so you don't put any stock into that Drew Brees tweet, do you? Zero. I mean, I, I said never say never, but 99.999% chance that he doesn't come back. And, look, you know, he had shoulder surgery on his non-throwing arm. Um, just look at some of the pictures. He's not in the football shape right now, you know. And, uh, again, I think it was more of a spite because of what happened with NBC and, you know, maybe he makes a transition to Fox. Something happens with that, but – Look, he's a smart man. He's going to land on his feet somewhere. I just don't see him coming back to football. And 
you know, it'd be a cool storyline, but it's, it's not happening. We hear the big time names. We hear the Jarvis Landry, the Teran Matthew. What about Josh Andrews? That's a veteran offensive lineman who can play multiple positions. Uh, he's with was with the Atlanta Falcons last year, but nine year vet. Um, what was the reason and the logic behind that? Do you think he's a player that can stick and stay? Well, I'll say this. I think there's a lot of opportunity on this depth chart, particularly on the offensive line. And, you know, tackle position, obviously you have Ramchek, you have Hurst and Penning. I think if you can get Landon Young to make sure he's the absolute other guy there, I think that bodes well. But, you know, if you're playing a, a guard or anywhere on this offensive line, you have to have versatility. It's no longer uh, with any of these positions that you're just like, okay, well, I'm a traditional left tackle. That's where I'm going to stay. And, you know, I think there were some questions early on that said, uh, Ramchek was going to move to left tackle or anything. I never bought into that either, and I didn't believe that was the smartest move either because I thought it was going to be Hurst and then they could draft. But, you know, look, um, interior is going to have some opportunity, right? And Andres Pete, Cesar Ruiz are definitely your starters right now. Um, Doug Marone, you just hope he can develop Ruiz a good bit. But, you know, past that, the depth is pretty interesting. I think Calvin Throckmorton has a leg up. He performed really well last year that – Nobody seems to talk about. They have Forrest Lamp, a veteran, another veteran in Andrews. I mean, they're going to have to get some solid options because of what happened to them last year. But, you know, again, we'll see if COVID plays a big difference in that. But even just uh, that, you've got to fill out your practice squad, not just your, your roster. And you got to bring 90 right. to camp. So um, they're going to make sure that they have a, a good bit of offensive linemen. And last year, man, they were just really underwhelming in training camp. Like nobody really stood out and did anything well. Uh, that wasn't the first team. Is um, is there a position group where there's going to be a, a high level of competition? You got a lot of starters already that that are going to be back on both sides of the ball. Um, but is there a, a position group where uh, there is a great competition for uh, for for becoming a starter and a lot of playing time? In your opinion, uh, I think the I don't know if I think starter, but I would say on reserve roles or just backup primary backup roles. I mean, I think that's, that's wide receiver that we know because again, it's Landry, it's Alave and Michael Thomas, but four, five, and six, presumably if you're keeping six wide receivers, that's going to be something to see tight end. How's that going to work out? Is it Trout, Troutman? Is it going to be Taysom Hill coming off of the, uh, the plantar issue or the injury that he had to get, um, you know, that's going to be something to see with Frank injury. Sorry, I think for a second. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, look, I think on the opposite side of the ball, shore up that defensive interior, and then you got to shore up what you got at linebacker. And I think there's room to grow there. I think it's Pete Warner and Damari Davis that are going to absolutely start here. And then beyond that, that, that remains to be seen. And I think it's, yeah. it's going to be, uh, <laughs> it's going to be proving grounds for Zach Bond, Kate Nellis. You got guys behind them that are hungry, chomping at the bit. Yeah. You know, there's a guy yeah. like Andrew Dow get more playing time. But, you know, I think those are probably the positions that would stand out right now as, you know, those that might have some more, uh, competition more than anything. But I think most of the starters, if you go through this roster, you can pick all the starters, maybe with the exception of who actually plays left tackle when it's week one. But, um, you know, I think it's pretty set in stone. John Hendricks uh, with us. Uh, I ask about Jameis's health. Uh, what, how's Will Lutz doing, by the way? Yeah, look, I mean, he put in, he's back to kicking. I mean, that's a huge thing, right? And so um, that's going to be a huge boost for him. Because if he played last year, 
I guarantee you they win at least two or three more games and they're in the playoffs, even with the craziness that did happen. And so, look, he's he's kicking. He's back to work. Um, you know, they did bring in an uh, undrafted guy uh, out of Virginia Tech, uh, John Parker Romo. So maybe that's more insurance, if you will, and, and maybe not to put a huge stress load on Lutz coming off of a, a severe, you know, core muscle injury and having to have surgery and then having to set back after that. But, you know, look, it's a welcome sight for Saints fans. They need him at his absolute top of his game. And, look, um, you know, I think this offense is going to have really high power to it. And uh, they're going to be in situations where they're going to have to put more points on the board and more points on the board. And so Butts uh, is doing good from everything I understand and everything I've seen. And so, you know, again, he's one that I wouldn't be surprised if they don't, you know, they take a more cautious approach with him to start. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you just like Jameis, they'll let the training wheels off and then, He'll be good to go and back like it never happened. With everything said and done as is, and I don't know if the Saints are done yet. I mean, if if Daryl Williams comes into camp. Oh, by the way, um, I see Jarvis Landry is uh, is politicking and tweeting to try and get Odell Beckham Jr. to join him with the Saints. Do you give that any? I mean, is that realistic? Is that even possible? I mean, if you're Odell, then you kind of see what's going on and – Look, Jarvis Landry took a, a he a one year prove it deal really is what he's got because you know when I first when it first came out he was a guy that had switched his agents and he was reportedly looking for twenty million dollars a year and look I love Jarvis as much as the next guy but there's no way he's going to get that kind of money for a guy who hasn't had a thousand yard season in a couple of years and so uh, I think this is a great asking price but look they're pretty stacked unless something happens with Michael Thomas. I don't see them bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. Look, if you want to upgrade over Marquez Callaway or Traquan Smith potentially, then yeah, you'd definitely look at that. But you're suddenly looking now where Traquan and Callaway and, and uh, Hardy are going to be your four, five, and six. And so I don't think anybody behind them is really going to make a big threat to push as far as starting right. on the depth chart. And so right. even if they do bring in Odell Beckham Jr., you know, how are you going to work that in? It's, I mean, it would be amazing to have that in some talent and paper <laughs> perspective. But, man, that's a lot of mouths to feed. And, and, look, I get it. They can make it work, and everybody's going to be there to win a ring. But I think Odell might, might go elsewhere, and I just don't know if it'll actually happen. Maybe uh, him and Quan Alexander are both LSU guys that are still looking for a home. So that'll be interesting to see where they land. Yeah. I was going to ask about Quan Alexander. I would love to have him back as well. We shall see. Uh, one last question with what you've seen with Tampa Bay. Now what you've seen with the Saints. Um, how, how big of a difference is there or is there a big difference between these two teams? Yeah, look, I think the Saints have been a team that's been constantly on the rise and improved. Um, you know, Tom Brady coming back. Look, that's a big deal. And, yeah. and you know, the thing is, um, I remember Brett Favre hanging on for one year too long, and it didn't end so well, right? And so I know it's Tom Brady, and I know people are going to shin him to the end of theirs, but you know, it's curious that he comes back after this. And so, again, it can go really well for him. I think the Saints are going to should really rival and challenge him. I think it's going to be a lot harder for Tampa this year just because new head coach, and I get the Saints have one too, but new head coach, not as many of the players that you had on your roster that helped get you to the Super Bowl and win. Um, there's a lot of new faces. So I think it's going to be a little bit more challenging for Tampa this year. And so I think the Saints are in a time or prime spot for picking. Um, and look, I, I would tell you that they can win the division pretty, pretty easy. Uh, they're going to be tested right out of the gate. And uh, I, I expect them to, to continue 
to have some really good uh, struggles, you know, as far as the season goes and what that brings. But I think at the end of the day, Saints are going to get back that NFC South crop. John, I can't thank you enough, man. You're the best. Keep up the great work with all the hats that you have on the on the table. Uh, we certainly appreciate your time, buddy. You take care. All right, George. Thanks. Appreciate you. All right, you're the best. Uh, you want to see the Astros in person? Then listen up. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the White Sox Saturday, June 18th. You can be there. Register in the game club us at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a timeout when we come back. Uh, Miami rode the, the Butler did it in their game one win over Boston game one tonight, Golden State, Dallas and Pels will get the uh, eighth overall pick in the upcoming NBA draft. The honors this year goes to the Orlando Magic, who at one point in time drafted Shaquille O'Neal at one point in time drafted Dwight Howard with number one picks. Uh, they drafted Chris Weber. They made the trade and got Anthony Henny Hardaway. So this will be another opportunity for the Magic. And we'll see what the Pels can. I think they're going to get a really good player at number eight. We'll talk with Ali Cassell when we return. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Time to talk about the National Basketball Association. Down to four teams um, still in the hunt for an NBA championship. And now we know the draft order for the upcoming NBA draft. Thanks to the lottery last night. Let's discuss the Pels and let's discuss the Eastern Conference Finals. And tonight's beginning of the Western Conference Finals with our good friend, Ali Cassell, who does a uh, tremendous job as the editor-in-chief of At The Bird Rights, covering the Pels for SB Nation. Ali! Good afternoon. Pretty, how friend. are you, how buddy? Are you? Yeah, how you doing, Jordy? Can you hear me? I'm doing well, buddy. I'm doing well. Let's uh let's talk about um the uh the Pelicans. Um, you know, we, you always hold out hope, but reality sets in and uh at the as the number 8 pick in the NBA draft, it sure beats what they what they could have gotten um if they if the Lakers had done what they were supposed to do. So, number 8's not bad in other words. Uh, no, I'm extremely happy. I hope everybody else is as well. The only thing you wanted to see last night was not to see three three or more teams jump over the Pelicans and thereby right. it would have pushed that pick down to 11 or 12 and they would have lost it to the Grizzlies. So they would have walked away with nothing, right, and would have had to rely on their second-round picks. Right. Having an ace pick to add to this playoff team and getting Zion Williamson back, I can't think of a better recipe on a way to improve this team without you know needing to lure somebody in free agency. So... I think it's a smashing success. I would have loved, everybody would have loved seeing top four pick, but there's nothing to cry about over eight for sure. I'm with you. The uh, draft is June 23rd. So the Pels acquired that pick with the Anthony Davis trade. Um, and thank goodness um, th that certain things didn't go in certain ways, as you said. 
And so they're the only team that was in the playoffs that got into mm-hmm. the lottery this year. So uh, that's good fortune as well. I, I think, you know, I, I think they, they're going to get a good player um, at number eight. I think it's deep enough, talented enough. I, I think they're going to be A-OK. With you 100%. Everybody's talking about how, you know, there's three big guys, right, at the top of the draft that are yeah. franchise changers potentially in Jabari Smith, Shet Holmgren, and Paolo Bancaro. I'll tell you what, the next, like, 10, 11 guys after them are going to be really helpful for teams. While the Pelicans won't likely have a chance at my favorite guy, Shaden Smart, I used to mm-hmm. love Jaden Ivey, but I've really looked into sh- uh, Sharp, and I think he's going to become a special player, potentially a star. But I think he's going to get chosen ahead of the uh, where the Pelicans' eighth spot they're going to be selecting from. So looking at some other guys, though, and, and you can still get excited because it, you can look for shooting, right, through Benedict Matherin, a uh, guy out of Arizona. If you watch the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament, you should know his name well. He really blew up on that in uh, for 30 points against TCU, but has, was just a great shot maker all season long for uh, Arizona. A.J. Griffin from Duke, he's a freshman that people really like because of his length. He made about 45% of his threes. Um, He's another potential guy to look at. And then, of course, there's a couple of point guards you could possibly consider, although I don't consider Johnny Davis a real point guard. I like him. But, yeah, Dyson Daniels is the other one. So, yeah, Pelicans have holes, right? Shooting, maybe get a legitimate ball handler, lead general guard, or get a big that can block shots. All all those facets are going to be available for the Pels at eight with good players. I like Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. He's uh, the, the reigning Big Ten player of the year. Um, boy, he competes. He he he's a good shooter. Um, he rebounds. He defends. He's he's a um, you know he, he plays both ends of the court. Man, he I, I, I like him. So I, I'm with you. It just um, who's going to be the best player available at that and. Uh, we'll see what the Pels do. They, if they could do anything like what they got out of last year's draft, um, mm-hmm. wow, what a success that would be, right? Yeah, I mean, look, Trey Murphy hasn't really come into his own yet, but nope. the way Herb Jones at 35th pick, yeah, no, no team's going to be able to match that for the foreseeable future because that was a home run. I mean, Herb Jones today in that draft would go easily in the top 10. So the Pels nailed a top 10 without a top 10 pick. Right. But now they're sitting eighth, and there's a yeah, like we said, there's a slew of good guys to select from that you're going to help this team, this core, and they're not going to be relied upon too much, right? Because it's a deep team, so whoever they do bring in, they can bring along slowly to their comfort level zone. Cool, I'm buying stock in the Pels. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I'll be curious to see who they get, um, and if there's multiple players available, that will kind of dictate to you what. Uh, what they think a position of need is for this ball club. And, and we'll go from there. Ali Cassell from at the bird rights. We're talking NBA hoops last night was game. One of the Eastern conference finals. Who the Butler did it. Uh, Jimmy Butler is just playing out of his mind and the heat beat Boston. 118, 107 tells me Ali without uh, Marcus smart and Al Horford, Boston needs them badly. Without a doubt, and at first you didn't think so, right? Because Boston began the game really well. Uh, they were yeah. leading at halftime. They got into a nice, I felt like, you know, flow in that first half to where either Jason Tatum was getting them points or he was getting somebody else involved, usually Robert Williams, on a couple of nice passes. Uh, so they had no trouble scoring yeah. as through the heat. They, they struggled a bit, and they definitely couldn't slow down Boston, but that all changed as soon as the wow. teams came out of halftime, and that's where you missed 
right, Marcus Smart and Al Horford, because outside of Tatum, I feel like nobody else really contributed. I mean, Jalen Brown didn't really get his point total up until the, you know, when the game had already been decided, and they really needed his production. Nobody else really looked for their shots, and that led to Pritchard coming off the bench and shooting the heck out of the ball, right? 16 mm-hmm. shots uh, because they were searching for offense. So, yeah, that one was kind of the writing was on the wall. Miami was coming in outside of Kyle Lowry, healthy, and the Celtics were missing two super key pieces, right, that, that they are. used well to get past Milwaukee Bucks. And without them, you just struggle to see how Boston's going to win too many games. But that's probably not going to be an issue, right? Marcus Smart's expected back to the next He'll one. Play. And they think Al right. Horford for game three. 39-14 to 14, outscored my, uh, Boston in the, in the third. That's a 25-point differential. It was a 22-2 to two run at one point in time. And uh, yeah. is there a, is there – Anybody, I mean, other than maybe Luca, who's on playing at the same level as Jimmy Butler? I mean, Jimmy Butler is unbelievable. Yeah, he's looking like the guy we saw a couple of years ago in the bubble that led Miami all the way right yes. to the finals against the Lakers. And he's capable of this. So, yeah, I, you know, I, with, with, yeah, with Giannis out, with the Warriors not playing their top ball, we haven't seen Steph be Steph yet. I think, yeah, it's an easy argument to put Butler second behind Luka. I wouldn't argue with that at all. I'm with you. Uh, Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights, which brings us to tonight's game one in the Western Conference Finals. Dallas and Luka uh, going to Golden State in San Francisco to take on Steph and Clay and Draymond and all. I, I don't know what you do to Luka. I, I, I don't know if there's anybody that can stop him. Do you let him go get your 45 and, and, and try and shut everybody down? I don't know what you do against him. I think that has to probably be the mindset, right? But if you do that too much, and Jalen Brownson's going to probably get you 25, and if yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie's still kind of hot, he can get you 20. Yeah. So it, it, it's a pick-your-poison scenario for sure. And I'm telling you what, I'm looking forward to this series. Warriors yeah. are not coming in playing their best ball. I was actually mm-hmm. upset at the way they played in the last series with the amount of turnovers they had. Steph wow. Curry shooting too many difficult shots. Yeah. Um, and just in general, looking lackadaisical out there. Warriors are going to have to clean it up because otherwise Dallas, they can steal this game one because they do have the best player. And that guard rotation is outstanding. So if they get some shots um, going in early and then they get Finney Smith involved, some of their three-point shooters, Bullock, Man, I could I could definitely see the Mavs pull this win out. Luca Dinwiddie, Bo, um, Brunson, um, man, Steph's going to have to play. Yeah, they. they I told this to somebody the other day. I said they, they look like they try to make the spectacular play every time yes. down the court instead of making a simple pass. Um, I, you're right, but they better clean it up or trouble. I think Draymond Green's the key to the series for for uh, Golden State, and that's why I don't think you can put him on Luca, although he's the best matchup defensively to try and cover Luca. Right. And then that's a great um, discussion to have. I think they're going to start with Wiggins, right? He's yes. probably the most mobile, best length. Cause Clay Thompson's had success in the past against Luca, but that's before his injury. Things have changed dramatically now. So you don't want to stick Clay on that Island either. And you're right, Draymond, you got to save him up for, you know, just controlling the paint. And I think he, uh, the Warriors should use him, offensively as a hub to go through him because you're right Steph made too many those hero type passes that just oh they were bothering me so much in the last series I think they should try and run the offense through green trying to hit their open guys right find pull somewhere open clay Steph because otherwise those guys were shooting some really off-balance ugly shots and you can't do that you know consistently if you want to win if you're the Warriors 
Uh, Ali Cassell, I'm looking at that now. This is the fun part. All these, you need to do one of these mock drafts, man, because you're good at this kind of stuff. But one mock draft has uh, the Pelicans taking uh, A.J. Griffin, the the small forward uh, from Duke. Um, Mm -hmm. Got a seven-foot wingspan. He made 45% of his threes. Uh, He's only 18 years old, so he's young. And we'll see, right? We'll see. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious who the Pels favor, right? Because they do need to improve their three-point shooting. You got to count on some internal improvement, right? With the guys getting older, but you got to add another one, and that's why I really like Mather in the top of my list. If they can't get Shade and Sharp, maybe Griffin's another one. We'll see. Yeah, um, one of the worst three-point shooting teams out there. Uh, they need to get three-point shooting. So, uh, and look, I, I think Murphy's going to make a quantum leap in year two. I think mm-hmm. he's just. You can just sense it. He's going to be he's going to be fine. Um, and I mean, they're pros, right? That's all they have to do is just go in the gym every day and shoot and shoot and shoot. And if um, if Jason Kidd can become a great three point shooter, because when he first got in the league, he couldn't throw it in Lake Pontchartrain, uh, and then it became a really good shooter. It's just called doing the work. Uh, so I think I think Murphy's going to be great. I really do. No, you're not alone. I, I think everybody in Pell's Nation's rooting for the guy, but they can also they saw the talent, right? Once he entered the uh, rotation, second week of March, he never left, and for good reason because that three ball was going in. He was playing with that confidence, and yeah, he's got the skill that the Pelicans need desperately. And I'll tell you what, he does other things on the court, right? His rebounding yeah. was impressive to me. I think he's got the length and the speed agility to be a good disruptive defender as well. So I think all that's going to really start falling into place to where Willie Green's going to have trouble finding minutes for him probably when you consider the starters right everybody else coming off the bench yeah trey murphy deserves probably at least 25 minutes but it'll be interesting to watch for sure do you think the pels become active with trying to make a trade or two this offseason uh maybe for salary cap purposes maybe because um, what you mentioned, can't find minutes for these kind of players anymore and see if you get something of value for it. I think they will. Uh, just to the point of where they're going to look at other teams and see if anybody's interested in the guys they maybe want to get rid of, right? Devontae mm-hmm. Graham, Jackson Hayes, uh, because they don't want to give Jackson Hayes a second contract. He's playing behind Zahn. It just doesn't make much sense if he can't play center. We've talked about this before. But if it's not out there, you know, they're not going to be in a rush, though, because you can start the season with all these guys, um, and then you can hopefully build up the trade value, especially for Devontae Graham. So you can, you've got until the trade deadline, I feel like. And that's mm-hmm. why you know, I'm honestly not expecting a trade anymore this offseason. They've got enough pieces where they're not forced to make a move. Right? Like last year, right, Jordy? Right. They had to get Stephen Adams they had to, out yeah. of town, and they did that. They don't have that kind of problem this uh, summer. Let me ask you about the Zion situation. He uh, came out and said he would sign as soon as they offered him the max deal. Um, the Pels have to try to protect themselves, and yet they're dealing with somebody that is, uh, you know, very fragile from an ego standpoint. I think, and so you want to you want to take into consideration, you know, him, but you also take into consideration yourself and. He hasn't been available to play. So what does that contract look like? It is, is it the max deal? But then is it with some, a lot of protection for your end on the, on the back end of it? Exactly. Yeah. That, that's the answer. I think 
you can't go into a season without having any kind of protections on his extension just because of the injuries he's had. If the Pelicans were, and, and I do believe 100%, they're going to give him the max. Look, when he's okay. been on the court, Jordy, he's been a superstar. Shooting yep. the ball over 60% from the field, you know, shooting or averaging about 25 points, eight rebounds a game. And that's only through the first 80 to 85 games of his career. Just think about right. what's ahead, all the improvement that's likely to happen with his abilities. Um, it, it's just amazing to think about. So they're not going to think long and hard about that. But you put a limitation somehow or, or um, like a minutes type of threshold or maybe something on games play. Because otherwise, like I said, if an injury was to strike his foot or his knee, things that have affected him so far in his NBA career, Pelicans wouldn't be able to file a claim for uh, insurance purposes. Therefore, you're you're just flat out losing money, right? And and you don't want to do that because what if he suffers a career-threatening injury? So it's understandable. I think both sides see this, and it's happened in the past. We've brought up Joel Embiid on your program before. There's been other players where they've agreed to, right? As long as I get my max, I'll get out there on the court, then I'm going to make my money. And if I'm not, well, because of my history, I have to learn to live with that because because of my bad history. So I think everything will work out accordingly. He'll get the max, but there will be protections for the Pelicans. My show's always better when I get to talk to Ali Cassell. Thank you, my friend. You're the best. Enjoy uh, enjoy the Western Conference Finals tonight. Thank you, Ali. Appreciate it. Um, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for Downtown Rising with the Ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience. You can score a pair of VIP passes plus a chance to meet the Cold War kids. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win VIP passes for Downtown Rising featuring Cold Kids, Cold War kids on Saturday, June 4th. The Ultimate Downtown Rising VIP Experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We will take a quick break. When we come back, I'll tell you about a record that lasted a long, long time, all the way back to 1964, but it no longer exists. That story, when we return after this timeout, the Jordy Hulpert Show, 1037 The Game in Lafayette and 1041 The Game in Lake Charles. Stay with us. Jordy Holberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, the game wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of Top Gun Maverick. Uh, you can see it before anyone else by simply texting Top Gun to 68683. That's Top Gun to 68683, a special sneak peek May 26th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's Top Gun Sneak Preview brought to you by Big Boy Toys and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 60 years ago, um, Jim Ryan was a track star in the state of Kansas, Kansas. Um, Ryan became the first high schooler to run a mile in under four minutes in 1964, then broke his own record five times before graduating. Ryan's time uh, was a record 358.3. Well, it took 60 years, but there's a new name at the leaderboard, Gary Martin, a senior at Archbishop Wood High School in Warminster, Pennsylvania broke a prestigious track and field record at the Pennsylvania Catholic League Championship on Monday.
Uh, running the mile in under four minutes, Martin's run broke a record that stood for 60 years. He ran the mile, oh my gosh, 357.98 without the aid of a pacer. A pacer is a guy that's going to run one lap like super speed and then drop out of the race. Uh, so congratulations, Gary Martin, 357.98. Could be the next track and field superstar. Man, that is that is hard to believe. And Martin is the 14th American high school athlete to break four minutes. And his time now ranks third all-time in outdoor runs. So, um, yeah. But this is a high schooler, right? A high schooler. The other ones besides Jim Ryan were all collegians or pros. So congratulations to him on that one uh the game uh wants to hook you up with ride tickets for the cajun heartland state fair at the cajun dome may 26th through june the 5th text chsf to 68683 to win a family four pack of ride tickets to the cajun heartland state fair that's chsf to 68683 to win a family four pack of ride tickets to the cajun heartland state fair coming up hour number two We'll go to the Preakness, get a preview with Michael Bakeshock. We'll go to Tulsa, get a preview of the PGA with John Peterson and then Michael Huguenin for Hump Day with Huguenin. It's a busy second hour. Stick around. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be back. The Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg. It's hour two of two, and away we go. Brought to you by Cajun Chef right there in St. Martinville, putting out the finest uh, products for nearly, uh, for decade after decade after decade. The Beard family, Cajun Chef hot sauce. It's my favorite delectably de- delicious and decidedly different try it you're gonna love it cajun chef the very very best lsu with an easy win over northwestern state now a very pivotal series against um vanderbilt starting on thursday we've got game one of the western conference nba finals golden state hosting luca and the dallas mavericks we saw jimmy butler put up 41 in a game one win for the Miami Heat over the Boston Celtics in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. We've got uh, the PGA Golf Championship beginning on Thursday. We'll talk about that shortly. But uh, on Saturday is the second leg of the Triple Crown. And unfortunately, we will not have a Triple Crown winner because Rich Strike, the Kentucky Derby victor, will not run in this Preakness Stakes. But some others will. And now to get to who's going to win the darn thing is our uh, handicapper, the 2012 National Handicapping Champion, the Eclipse Award winner, and just a really good guy. Michael Bakeshock, kind enough to join us uh, yet again. Michael, good afternoon, sir. I greatly appreciate the time. I know you're busy, but thank you, buddy. How are you? 
Never too busy to talk horse racing with, with, with you, Jordy, for sure. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, well, 80 to one shot, Rick Strike. Wow, what a race. And no one saw that. I wish I had seen that coming and laid some money on it because I could have taken a couple of days vacation with that. But um, uh, what, what else did you see in the Derby that helps you in your processing for the Preakness stakes? Well, I mean, what we're, what we're seeing, what we're seeing Saturday is only three horses who ran in the Derby yeah. are coming back to run in the Preakness, which, um, I, I, you know, I haven't gone back and done as much research as I should, but that seems like an awfully small number compared to mm-hmm. previous years. You know, usually we're looking at, eh, you know, the top three, four, five, maybe a couple other also rans and. But this time, you know, we're getting the second place horse epicenter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're getting the 14th place happy jack and the fourth place to simplification. Um, okay. all, those are the only three that are coming back to run again. So, you know, it tells me that, um, Maybe they just feel like the, you know, the pregnancy is not the spot they want to, the rest of them that they, that they want to, bring their horse back and they're going to wait for, for bigger and better things over the summer. Um, but it's still an interesting race because we have, um, we have a Philly, the Philly that won the Kentucky Oaks, um, secret Oath, trained by D Wayne Lucas, a hall of famer. And just, you know, she, she's beaten, uh, Phillies the last four times by open links, really. Um, but she has, she ran once against the boys, um, at, uh, Oakland park in the Arkansas Derby, got a really rough trip, but she ran third. So she's going to be, you know, probably a sentimental choice for a lot of the Phillies who are betting on the race. The last time we saw a Philly win the Preakness, um, was Rachel Alexandra, who is this, that's the path that secret oath is trying to, uh, uh, copy. She won the Oaks, and now she's going into the the Preakness, and um, it you know she's going to be one of the favorites. Is that a normal? I mean, how often does a filly enter one of these Triple Crown races? Is that something that's very very far and few between, or is it more more than yeah. I could imagine? No, it is it's, it it is uh, very few and far between. I believe the last horse that ran the last filly that ran in the Preakness was Swiss Skydiver, um, and mm. that was in 2020. Um, so it, it doesn't happen very often because, you know, usually the money for Phillies is, is bigger and better later on in the year, and you don't want to waste your horse. The last Philly to win, of course, was Rachel Alexandra. Um, and in 2000, Genuine Risk, the Philly that won the Derby, um, she ran in the Preakness and in 1988, I think winning colors, another Philly who won the Derby ran in the Preakness. So, you know, it's every, it's, um, it's, it's, it's unusual. Um, you know, it's also unusual for a Kentucky Derby winner to not run in the, right. in the Preakness, which is what we're right. having this year with Rich Strike not running. Um, the last two actually were in the last three years, which is Mandaloon who actually didn't win the Derby that day, he won on disqualification. Country House, who won on disqualification in 2019, uh, but he didn't run. He didn't run again at all, as a matter of fact. And then our, our beloved Louisiana Derby 
uh, winner Grindstone in 1996 who won the Derby but did not run in the Preakness. So it, it's that's very very few far between. You know, five of them over the last 60 years did not run in the, in the Preakness. So that's very odd that Rich Strike decides to pass pass up the Preakness and the chance to you know possibly win a Triple Crown. That's right. So it's been two weeks. This will be two weeks Saturday since the run for the Roses. What what is the normal procedure for horses? Um, it, it, let's say they run on May the first. What when when does a trainer and an owner agree and decide to to run that horse again in any kind of race? So, if it was a uh, a lesser race, let's say you know uh, in class, it was just a twenty five thousand dollar claiming race, you know, common race. Um, I would say that 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 horse would probably run three weeks later, four weeks later. That's a normal course of running for those types of horses. But for these stakes horses, a normal rest is usually, you know, four to six weeks at least. Right. So, you know, it's just... Who was the genius that said, okay, we're going to run the Derby, well, and then two weeks later we're going to run his X-Rays? Happened. Over, Who, why? Right. We've changed. We've, when they set the, 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 the time limit between the Derby, the Preakness, and uh, Belmont, th- this was 100, 150 years ago. And those horses back then ran like every seven days, ten days. So it was not unusual for a yeah. horse to run a stakes race uh, and then run again next week, the following week. But as the breed has been weakened through breeding for speed, then those horses just can't take that that that, that uh, repetitive running in such a close period of time. They need more rest in between. Right. Um, so horses get more rest now in between to recover from efforts, and and that's why. That's why it's just so doggone difficult to win the Triple Crown because it really wasn't based on the current state of our breed today. It was based on the breed 150 years ago. So would it is unusual it if you could, for a horse would to you run back in two the... weeks at any level, pretty much. But for this particular level, at the highest level, it's highly, highly unusual. So if you could, if you were the czar of thoroughbred racing and you'd have a lot of things to do to clean things up, I understand, but... Would you change the the format? Would you do it one race uh, first Saturday in May, the first Saturday in June, the first Saturday in July? Would you do something like that? Would that benefit and be better for the Triple Crown? Wow, that's a can of worms. Uh, I would no, I wouldn't do it. Okay. I think the Triple Crown is special. It can be done. It has been done over the past okay. four or five years. Right. Um, I would leave it. As, I would leave it as is. Um, it's okay. supposed to be hard. What's that line from uh, Tom Hanks in the baseball movie? Um, you know, not there's no crying in baseball. No crying but in it's baseball. But right? supposed to be hard. Okay. You know, it's supposed to be hard. We don't want a common. We don't want a Triple Crown winner every other year, then it would, it would lose its luster to me. I'm, I'm gotcha. just a traditionalist. And, you know, if, if we never have another one, Hey, it's hard. It's really hard right. to win the thing. You know, you gotta be a special, special horse to do it. I'm with you. Okay, good. Michael Bakeshock. Um, all right. Tell me why I should not 
pick epicenter to win this thing? <laughs> well, uh, well, you shouldn't you shouldn't take him because he's going to be extremely short odds. So probably be less than even money, maybe around even money. Okay, but uh, he's going to win. Okay, <laughs> he's going to win. Uh, okay. I mean, you know, this is just, he just kind of towers over these horses. Um, he was coming into the, into the Derby so well, and, and he just got, you know, run down by, uh, you know, just run down by a long shot, a fluke, right? But he hasn't really, he, he probably hasn't lost much of his conditioning. Um, he's not facing, uh, you know, a, a new shooter, a horse that's, Seemingly much faster. He has to beat the okay. Philly. Um, I, I just, I don't, I really don't see him losing. Um, I would be, I would be surprised. Um, but I would say don't bet him because he's just going to be too short of, of, of odds. But he is certainly a clearly deserving uh, big favorite to win. Yeah, and, no. and as we okay. said on past shows, most, you know, most of the, the horses that run in the Derby, they win the pre. So it, he's got a lot of things going for him, mm-hmm. um, and he he's, he is clearly the most likely and deserving favorite. All right. Does Secret Oath get in the money? Uh, I I I don't I don't I don't think so. Okay. I, I just don't I don't like. You know, Colts coming back in two weeks is different than Phillies coming back in two weeks. You know, she's a she's lighter, smaller frame. She ran a big race two weeks ago. It, you know, that's asking a lot from a Philly, a lot more than from you know a uh, a Colts. But she's very she's very talented. I don't think she's cl- she's clearly not on the Rachel Alexandra level. Uh-huh. Um, she's very good. I just think they might be asking a little bit too much of her. The horse, you know, that did not run in the Derby, um, but ran on Derby Day or the day before is Creative Minister. He looks like one of these horses that you kind of look for. He's really kind of improving, run three times, won twice. Just kind of figuring things out. He'll he would be the long shot that I would be looking towards uh, okay. if he's like eight to one, ten to one, something like that, to kind of get into the exacta with um, with epicenter. Uh, right. And so he would he would be my long shot, creative minister. Creative minister. All right, there you have it, uh, Michael Bakeshock. Um, his least favorite horse track in America is. Um, is at Pimlico, but that's where the Preakness is, and they'll run for the Black-Eyed Susans on uh, Saturday. Thank you, my friend. We'll see. We'll see what All happens right. this time. Thank you, Jordy. Enjoy. All right, buddy. You're the usual. best. Michael Bakeshock, the Eclipse Award winner. We'll take a timeout. That's Saturday. Coming up tomorrow is the PGA Championship. We'll have a preview of that. But first, today is the day you should join the Game Clubhouse. Not only is it free to join, but you'll get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts like a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. You can only score that $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. 
It's simple. So what's the delay? Go sign up today. John Peterson, former PGA player, will preview the PGA next. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 18th, 2001. 101-year-old Harold Stilson becomes the oldest golfer to record a hole-in-one when he aces the 108-yard par-3 16th hole at Deerfield Country Club in Florida. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back, boys and girls. Um, Time to talk the second leg or the second major in uh, golf, and that is the PGA Championship. And joining us to discuss that is a former Tur player himself, um, former Tiger great, John Peterson. Big John, how you been, buddy? Uh, Jordy, I'm doing well. We just actually got off the phone with uh, with Alan Shipnuck, whose relevancy right now is he's the the guy that wrote the book on the entire phil mickelson situation so uh with phil not being at the pga it was it was quite the intriguing conversation so we're all good over here man what was your biggest takeaway i was going to ask you about that but let's get it right off that what was your biggest never has someone fallen from the top of mount everest to the abyss of the grand canyon quicker than phil mickelson well, I feel as if Phil, well, just just been being been around him for years and, and knowing him a little bit, he's always been so manipulative and able to weigh his talk to talk his way out of anything. Um, okay, you know, he he's he's been an addictive gambling personality for a long, long time, and mm. um, the only reason he signed with Callaway in the first place was because they paid his gambling debt. I don't know. If, I'll do that. That, that's that's why he signed with Callaway. That's now it's common knowledge. It's in this book. Um, but you, you're right. I mean, everybody loves Phil Mickelson, and, and everybody loves Phil Mickelson. But he's always been able to talk his way out of things, or you know, just kind of be a very bolivant person. Bolivant person, and uh, hmm. and people like him generally. So um, this is a tough one for him, though, because he really he kind of spoke out of turn and. Uh, yeah. and he, he, he's for lack of better terms, embarrassed. Uh, right. so he's, he's not showing up to defend his title, which is a shame. It should be a celebration. I mean, he was the, yeah. he won a major at 50 years old last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. this should be a week of celebration for him, but, um, he's just going to watch it from the couch. Does he, does he come back or does he just, is he too embarrassed to, I mean, $40 million in four years gambling and, and you, you hear the Gary McCord story from the CBS tower there, they're, they're giving hand signals to one another on the green, what the odds are that he makes the putt. That's crazy. Right, right. And that, that stuff's all going to come out. I'm, this, this book is very intriguing. I mean, we, I literally just hung up with him 20 minutes ago, and yeah. uh, a lot to unpack there. But I, um, I think he comes back. I think he plays again. I think the players want him to play again. They miss him. Mm-hmm. The PGA Tour probably doesn't miss him very much because they know, they know he's going to uh, – to play in the in the Saudi Golf League in, in, in right. a couple of weeks in London, but um, it's it's certainly the biggest story in golf this week. Uh, yep. And you know, Tiger's Tiger Woods is playing in a major championship this weekend. <laughs> he is not yeah. young anymore. So, in That's my right. view, in my opinion, we should be focusing on this man who is a living legend, still playing in a major championship, not the I'm guy that 
uh, not the guy that's let's, not there. Yeah, let's talk about the guys that are there, not the guy that isn't there. But let's talk about the course, Southern Hills uh, in Tulsa. Does it favor a specific type of golfer? Well, are you gambling on it, Jordy? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, it does. It does. I played the U.S. Amateur out there in 2009, and it's, you know, it's it's not even the same golf course as it was 13 years ago. Um, it's a big golf course. It's got fairly wide fairways, but the greens are very tough to put on. Some of the slopes of these greens are borderline illegal. I mean, they're they're old Perry Maxwell greens. Uh, they're kind of made for a slower green, but these greens are cut really low, so they're fast. It's going to be it's going to be a tough test. They've shaved everything around the green, so the ball will fall off the green into these low areas where it gives you an option to putt it or chip it or bump it or, you know, basically when you can get a PGA Tour player or a professional golfer to be indecisive, that's when they start screwing up. So okay. that that's what they've done a really good job of this week. You gotta you gotta make a decision around the greens, and um, when you give the best players in the world, a little bit of indecision in their head. That's when you have a, a fun tournament to watch. John Peterson with us. Speaking of Tiger Woods, what do you expect out of him this week? God, I don't know, Jordy. I, I told everybody he was going to miss the cut at the Masters. He'd be lucky to finish 80th at the Masters, and then he goes and makes the cut. And I think he <laughs> shot two under the first day. So I keep doubting him. So this time I'm going to go opposite. I, I, I bet Tiger's a the top 25 finish this week. Um, I saw some of his numbers on the range on the off of his driver. I mean, he's he's flying at 100. And, he's at 180 mile an hour ball speed. I haven't sniffed 180 mile ball speed ball speed in my entire life. Um, and this dude had 21 broken bones in his foot a year ago. That's so, crazy. Just don't doubt the man. Uh, yeah. I'm a, I've been a fool for doubting him before. I'm not going to this time. I think he finished the top 25. Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, all paired together for the first two rounds. Come Sunday, who's going to have the best week of the three, in your opinion? Well, I I like Jordan Spieth a lot this week. Um, We saw a lot of good out of him last week. You know, a lot of a different golf course, uh, also a big golf course, right? Fairgrounds is a big golf course, but it's a lot easier. Um, But Jordan Spieth, we kind of have lost track of him over the last three years. He's kind of been forgotten. Um, and just of late, he started to play better. He won, he won in Texas, San Antonio, a couple months ago. And, you know, second last week. I, I feel as if he's got his marriage and now a new baby. He's got everything in his major life events settled down. I think he's started to play a little better. Um, and this, he's, work, he's been working on getting the club more up and down in his backswing. That's helping him a lot, too, off the tee. So I like Speed this week. Of that group of Tiger, Justin Thomas, and no, Jordan Speed. It's McElroy. Woods, Woods, McElroy, and Speed. All right. You like Speed. What, what about uh, Scotty Scheffler? Um, wins the Masters. Uh, do you see him in contention? Do you see him having a post-Masters letdown? How, how, you you played the game. How, how does that work? So, Scotty Scheffler, uh, the way I kind of view him, and he's like a 90-year-old in a in a 22-year-old body. You know, he, he's one of the most mature golfers you ever watch play. Um, he will not beat himself, which is okay. something you, you – that's a characteristic I never had at 24 or 25. 
Um, still don't. I'm 33. But Scotty Scheffler is uh, is wise beyond his years. I, yeah, I think he's going to contend. He shot 64 out here in a practice round. I think it was two weeks ago. Wow. Um, so obviously wow. he likes the golf course. I wouldn't wow. be surprised if it was you know him and and Jordan Spieth. I, I don't think the winner of this golf tournament will come from outside the top 50 in the world. Okay, is is there a sleeper though who could make some noise? Could it be, could there be a rich strike from the thoroughbred cut coming into this and and making <laughs> some noise? Uh, possibly, but I, I think I think it's going to be a guy inside the top 50 that you don't really hear from a lot maybe a guy like jason kokrak i like jason kokrak this week because he hits it far um he's he's really got a good head on his shoulders and his game's kind of built for major championships he hits it straight uh i like i like jason kokrak if you're going for a sleeper but i i I don't think he's outside the top 50 I, i really don't think uh i don't think of the top 50 i don't think half of them will miss the cut i mean i really think this will be a a golf okay. course that brings out the best of the world, and uh, they've really got it set up well this week. Do they do they tear this course up, or is uh, w- what's a good score to, to uh, you know five under par after seventy two? What, what do you think wins the thing? No, I think it'll be lower than that. I think it'll be somewhere between eight and ten under okay. wins, uh, which is kind of ideal for a PGA Championship. It's not the U.S. Open. You don't want guys going out there and making triples. Um, and hit it in the rough, and, and they're not finding balls. You, you don't want that four times a year. So we have Augusta, which usually is, depending on the weather, the easiest major. And then we've got the PGA, and it's a little harder. And then the U.S. Open the hardest, right? And yeah. then the right. British is, is kind of somewhere in the middle. Different. But yeah. uh, okay. I think 8 to 10 under, you, if, you po- if, you, if you ask Scotty Scheffler right now in his hotel room, if you take 10 under par, and take his chances at the end of the week, I think you'd say, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, we know, I, I said this the other day, the Masters or really favors the patrons with their prices. You see what a beer costs at Southern Hills this week? A Michelob yeah. Ultra. Like yeah, you can, go, you can go get you a, a glorified water for $24. I mean, it is it is 22 ounces, okay? So I will <laughs> oh, say wow. that. It's a 22-ounce beer, but still, yeah, no. that's Golf is... It's not a spectator sport for for the middle class anymore with these kind of prices. I mean, you'll ba- you'll bankrupt the middle class guy going to golf like that. I'm telling you, it's crazy. It's crazy. Okay, so who wins it? Come on, I'm not betting. Who do you think wins it? Oh, I I, I love speed. I really do. Okay. I, I love Jordan Speed this week. I think Jordan Speed that one. has a great week. I think he's there on Sunday late. Uh, I just feel as if he's a momentum guy, and once he has momentum, he's more than likely going to keep it up and he's riding a pretty good wave right now um between him and uh and colin morikawa i, th- I think those one of those two walks away on sunday with the, with the water would win the uh the coveted grand slam of golf and join woods and nicholas and some of those guys there's not many of them uh if he wins the pga he gets it yeah the the, the grand slam of golf the mount rushmore of professional golf yeah i mean there's Holly, yeah, there's only about four guys that have ever done that. So, yeah, and he's only crazy. what? Jordan's only 29, 28, crazy. 29 years old to do to yeah. do that. I mean, he could do it twice by the time he's done. Wow, amazing, um, John Peterson. Uh, thanks for talking to us, 
after you're talking to, talking to the guy that's got maybe the best book coming out that everybody's going to buy about Phil Mickelson. Thank you. You bet, Jordy. You bet. Y'all go get it. Yeah, it's called Phil by Alan Shipnuck, and uh, we, we've got that episode on our podcast dropping next week. So Sounds great, good. buddy. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. John Peterson, former yeah. All-American golfer for LSU, kind enough to join us previewing the PGA Championship. He likes Jordan Spieth. So we've got Epicenter to win the Preakness, Jordan Spieth to win the PGA, um, and we just win all the time because we get fun guests like that. All right, the American Legion, post 278, is hosting a membership drive car show on May 21st. The event will take place at the American Legion Hall, post 178 at 2711 Highway 347 in Leonville. The show will feature three different classes, including antique and pre-registration costs only 25 bucks. It's free to the public and refreshments will be sold. For more information, call Charles Taylor at 337-804-2757. So you enter your car, it costs you 25 bucks. You're just going to go look and see it's free and you get refreshments. So call Charles Taylor at 337-804-2757. The American Legion Car Show. Michael Huguenin, hump day with Huguenin. After this timeout, the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station brought to you by Cajun Chef. Decidedly different, delectably delicious. We'll be back. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Michael Huguenin, my favorite time of the week. How are you, my friend? What's happening? Uh, not much. Uh, doing well. Doing well. Awesome. Um, the NBA held its draft lottery. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans have the eighth pick in this upcoming draft. Of all the college basketball players you've seen this year, do you think they get a good one at, uh, at number eight? Yeah, this is an interesting draft. I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting slash intriguing players um you know i live in orlando the magic have the first pick and the immediate reaction was oh my god who are they going to take because i don't think there was a clear-cut number one pick um i've seen jabari smith of auburn i've seen people say bancaro of duke chet holmgren of of gonzaga though i think holmgren needs to gain about 30 pounds but I, i think the potential exists to get a serviceable slash solid player at eight. Cause I think there's a lot of interesting guys in this draft. Uh, maybe you're not drafting a star at eight, like, you know, NFL teams, if you're picking eight, you're okay. We're going to get a guy who's going to be a long time starter. He's going to be a star mm-hmm. for us. I think the, you know, basketball is obviously a different sport. I think if you're picking in the top three, you should be able to draft a star. If you're picking in the top 12 or so, you should be able to get a a solid slash serviceable player. And I'll be honest, after top 12, I think it's sort of a crapshoot in the NBA draft. I like this kid, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. I think he plays both ends of the court. I think he shoots it well. 
uh, if he's a, if he's around, I'd really consider him. You know, I, I really like him. Yeah, and I think if you if if you draft a Wisconsin kid, you know, sort of like drafting a Wisconsin football player, um, yeah. they're not going to do stupid things to beat to get your to, to get your team built uh, get your team beat. They generally yeah. play uh, Wisconsin players basketball, play good defense, um, fundamentally sound guys. Um, you know, and used to playing slower pace, which can be good sometimes for an NBA player, though obviously I think he is athletic enough to play a running gun style. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's he's one of a handful of guys who um, I think can be, a, again, a serviceable pro. Um, and, again, you know, again, if, if he, I know you watch more basketball than me. If you're the Magic, who do you take number one? Ooh, oof. Um, that's a good question, boy. It's a, I think it's a roll of the dice. I think the best player is the kid from Auburn, Jabari Smith. I do. Um, I agree with you, Holmgren. I mean, that's a rare breed. That's kind of the player yeah. it is now. But I look at the playoffs and all, and man, you got to have you got to have guys that can can play, man. Center's kind of taken out of the equation you know what i mean you got to yeah, have players that can yeah, can do he's, everything he's and, and take you out like put the ball foot, on the deck and do everything right he's like a seven footer who is more comfortable on the perimeter and plus i mean his lack of physicality his lack of bulk yeah. um now I'll, I'll be honest jabari smith i'm a little worried about his uh, he certainly likes to shoot the three um yeah. i'm intrigued by bancaro because i think he realizes i'm a big physical guy um, another guy, I might wouldn't take him in the top three, but Durden from, or, I'm sorry, Duran from Memphis. Yeah. Who, if you watched him this year, the kid's 17 years old. He should have been a high school senior this year. He reclassified um, to come in and play. Uh, he is going to be a physical force, I think, within three or four years. The question is, will he ever be a very good offensive player? Yeah, we'll see. Um, that's why they pay these GMs a lot of money to go and make sure they, they – who'd have thought Herb Jones from Alabama would turn – you know, the player of the year, but I never thought he'd have the type of impact in New Orleans that he had this first year. He was terrific. Yeah, there's, that's the thing about – sometimes, you know, depending on what college team you play on, what style of play that team has, yeah. some of these guys, you, you never know how good they're going to be. Um, yeah, I mean, Seriously, did anybody think Luka Doncic would be a back-to-back MVP kid before he was 25? I don't wow. think so. No. So, wow. um, and I, you know, John Moran, who's well, I think is awesome. You know, he played at Murray State, and you're like, okay, great athlete, but come on, he didn't play against anybody. Um, he's a superstar, I think. So right. it's it's interesting. There's there's a lot of good basketball players and fit how you fit in with a team style of play, I think is even more important than basketball than it is in football. Uh, Michael Hugan in, uh, on three dot com. I'm curious. Uh, Zion was picked one in the draft. John Morant, number two, Zion, when he, when he was on the court, put up unbelievable numbers, of course, very subjective to the injury. John Morant, a little injury prone as well, but terrific numbers, a superstar, you got the big guy with the big body and the big weights in Zion. You got the skinny, 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 skinny guy in Ja. They both go to the basket. They both draw contact. Five years from now, who's got the better career? Morant. Okay. I I, I think 
league is becoming more and more perimeter oriented. Um, he can shoot it. I think he'll get better as a shooter. I like mm-hmm. his fearlessness. Uh, and I think he's a, a good ball handler and good distributor as well. And you're right, Zion, you do sort of worry about his injuries. Um, he's obviously immensely gifted. Um, yeah. Is he going to play a full season? Um, you know, and yet. Then, you know, <laughs> speaking of, you know, Anthony Davis, that's another uh, guy who, you yeah. know, like, because the paper in Orlando obviously is an NBA team here, potential trades, you know, would anybody want Anthony Davis now? And the thought was no, because he can't stay healthy anymore. Right. Um, and I think that's an interesting point because health, yeah, again, football and, and basketball. Basketball seems like key guys get hurt more than in football, which is weird to me. Really weird. Michael Hugan and On3.com. All right, CBS Sports came out and ranked their top coaches in college football. No no debating that Nick Saban is number one. Kirby Smart, number two. Are you on board with that? No. 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 Uh, okay. I think he's a high-level coach. I'm not ready to put him in elite category yet. Obviously, he's a phenomenal recruiter, and that's yeah. becoming more and more important. Um, I still... Who would you have? He won a national two. title. I think the, that's a recency bias. Yeah. Um, he's not the second best coach in the country, I don't think. Who, who I'm would again, you put I'm not sure two. who is. So oh, I sure. think the okay. gap is large. Um, I think there's a lot of good coaches in a lot of different places. Like, I, I think Dave Kloss in Wake Forest is an excellent coach. thing mm-hmm. is, I don't think he'd work at LSU or Alabama because he doesn't recruit well enough. He's not a recruiting zealot. Um, So, yeah, number I I just don't think Kirby Smart's the second-best coach in the country now. Okay. Uh, Well, I think they're taking into consideration everything. you got to be able to recruit. you got to be able able to to recruit. I get that. Right. No question. But, again, I mean, if if Kirby Smart hadn't won the national title last year, would he be number two? Right. I don't think so. So that, to me, means, oh, he won a national title. He's got to be a great coach. Well, you know, Ed Orgeron won a national title. Uh, Larry Coker won a national title. Uh, that that, and I'm not putting Kirby Smart in the in that class. But I gotcha. still want to see some more from Kirby Smart. Uh, what intrigued me, they had, and and I'm I'm with you. Uh, they had Jimbo Fisher as the fifth best coach in college oh, football, and Brian Kelly at number seven. Yeah, I I, I think if you swap those two. Um, or, you know, if, if Fisher had coached at, at Notre Dame and Kelly had coached at FSU and Texas A&M, there would be no doubt that Brian Kelly's ahead of Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. I think there's not, like you said, you're supposed to include everything in your rankings. The idea that Brian Kelly spent a decade at Notre Dame, which has legitimate recruiting restrictions. Mm-hmm. And Jimbo Fisher spent his career at FSU and Texas A&M, which has zero comparatively. Right. So um, that's you know, and, you know, I've seen people get mad at Pat Fitzgerald. Why can't you have he can have consistent teams at Northwestern? It's Northwestern. Um, you know, weirdly with them, they've had losing records two of the past three seasons, and the other year they played for the Big Ten title. So that's a school where, like, like at Wake. You got to recruit and develop. You're not getting elite talent. So, and I would argue that Kelly at Notre Dame did a phenomenal job recruiting, given the recruiting restrictions he is under. And mm-hmm. I think that Jimbo, 
yes, he won a national title. Um, but if he truly is the quarterback whisperer, like everybody says, man, he's had some pretty mediocre quarterbacks since he's been at Texas A&M. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Michael Hugan and On3.com. Um, it's being reported that the Division I Council is expected to approve the elimination of initial counters this week, allowing football coaches to sign unlimited players each year as long as they remain at or under the total 85 scholarship limit. Explain that to me. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. And then I think one of the reasons for the, the, the extra COVID year, which the NCAA had to do, still right. has sort of messed with roster management. Um, I, I've seen a, stories. I think there's at least two kids that are playing this fall who will be seventh-year guys. Um, there were a ton of six-year guys last year, um, and the seven-year guys are have not only COVID, but they've had you know two or three seasons of miss with injuries. And the the, COVID, the extra COVID year means if you were a true freshman in 2020 and you still played a full season, that year didn't count. Right. So the the roster management's going to be difficult for a while. Transfer portal makes it difficult. Um, I think that. This move, though, is the, is, a, is the right thing to do, though it is sort of, if you sit back for a second, you're telling me that my school can sign 30 guys each of the next two years? Yeah. Now, technically, I guess they could, but yeah. it also means a heck of a lot of guys need to transfer out. Right. So it's, it's, it's going to I think coaches are happy, but it's also putting something extra on their plate in terms of, man, we've got to keep it at 85, but we can sign them unlimited players. That's yeah. On the face of it, that's a little bit bizarre. It's a, so to speak. it's a cut. It's a cutthroat industry, and I'm telling you, if you if you don't produce, they're gonna get rid of you. I was fortunate enough. Um, back when I signed, I mean, it was a four year deal. It was a four yeah. year commitment on my part to LSU and LSU's part to me. Four years, and they even yeah, threw in one if you got hurt, so you had five years to complete four years of eligibility. Now, exactly. <laughs> It's, it, it, it's not even close. The transfer portal has changed things, um, you know, and coaches do run off players. But I think the portal makes it easier because you can tell a kid you, you're not playing here. I mean, you can stay on the roster if you want, but you're not going to see any playing time. And the vast, vast 99% of players are going to go, okay, I'll look for another place to go because I actually want to play. Um, but, yeah, the whole – Again, roster management, that's becoming a bigger and bigger deal yeah. in, in college athletics. Before, you're right, it was relatively easy. You signed 25 every year. The limit was 85. You hope you didn't have key guys flunk out. And if cer- certain kids wanted to transfer, you didn't mind it. Um, but, yeah, everything has changed greatly with the portal, and it does make things more um, interesting for coaches as they t- attempt to stay at 85. I would love to find out. I don't know how many teams play college football. I know there's a heck of a lot more that play college basketball. I would love to know how many kids are still in the portal with nowhere to yeah. go. There's, we have access. You know, a lot of people, a lot of places have access to the portal, but it's really hard to figure that out because once a player enters the portal, the new school doesn't have to immediately list where the kid is in other words you could go into the portal right now and see the player a transfer from school x and now is at school y 
but he's still listed in the portal. He's not huh. listed as showing up at a different school. Um, you, you almost have to do it by hand. Um, presumably, there are – I have to think that the NCA has legitimate bookkeeping, so to speak, right. about that number, and you would think they'd want to publicize it because – there are kids going in, and they're not finding another place. Exactly. So the whole I bet there's more than we. I bet there's more than we think. True. I bet there's more than we think. Oh yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that. And there's, yeah. there's I think the opportunity exists. If I play FBS and I want to go to another FBS school, but nobody wants me, I could go to FCS yeah. or even Division Two. But I don't want to do that. I want a scholarship at a big school. So yeah, Ooh. I think that that that. Impact some kids as well. What's next? I mean, <laughs> nobody ever thought about this before. Now, what's going to come down the road? Who knows? It's crazy. I can't keep up with all of it. It's crazy. Uh, Michael, as always, thank you so much. Um, we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the rest of your week. And thank you as always. I always enjoy it. Thanks, man. Talk to you next week. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holberg Show for Hump Day with Huguenin. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Jordy Holberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? When you wash your hair, you know, I work on my hair a long time and you can hit my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holberg and the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right. Something to keep your eye on. Daryl Williams, the former LSU running back, um, played four seasons with the Kansas City Chiefs, is in New Orleans on a visit to the Saints. That's per his Instagram story. Last year had 144 rushes for 558 yards. He had 47 receptions for 452 yards in a limited role. Uh, you're you're not asking for much. You're asking for quality, depending upon what happens to Alvin Kamara. Come on, Daryl Williams, keep the LSU train rolling into NOLA. Special thanks to our guest John Hendricks on the Saints, Ali Cassell on the NBA and the Pels, John Peterson with the PGA, Michael Bakeshock with the Preakness, and Michael Hugan. James, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners for making it possible each and every day. My daughter graduates tomorrow, so I have uh, I will be there. Someone else will be filling in for me, but I'll be back, thank God willing, on Friday. So until then, um, stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy, my friends. Be kind to one another, and let's all be happy. Life is too short. Until Friday, I'm Jordy Helper. So long, everybody.